When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Combos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to Corey Bellamore, who is a professional Adidas athlete in Canada. He's also widely known as the Beer Mile world record holder. He ran a Beer Mile in 4.33, guys. Oh my goodness. In late 2020, he came out with an article in Running Magazine Canada where he talked about his experience with an eating disorder and Red S. We have a really good conversation about his running career and his recovery and his goals for 2021. So stay tuned for today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Do you want to run farther and faster and recover quicker and easier? Do you want to feel healthier than you've ever felt before? You need to make a change, and that's what Inside Tracker is all about. Founded by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker is a personalized health and wellness platform like no other. What's their secret? First, Inside Tracker uses its patented algorithm to analyze your body's data and offer you a clearer picture than you've ever had before of what's going on inside you. Then, Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science-backed, trackable action plan for reaching your performance goals and being your healthy best. Inside Tracker is offering my listeners a 25% off discount to their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/emma. That is insidetracker.com/emma. Because change is an inside job. Now let's get straight into the episode. Corey, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, To start off the podcast, do you want to just give a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what you're about? Yeah, so I'm uh, Corey Balmore, a 26-year-old track and field athlete from Canada, uh, primarily around the 1500 meter, and then also known for the beer mile. So I have the beer mile world record. <laughs> That's pretty legit. Do you like being known as like the beer mile guy, or do you prefer to be known as like the track and field athlete? Um, definitely prefer the track and field athlete, especially because <laughs> like usually I'm going to track and field meets and I want to be taken seriously. Um, but the beer mile is like a fun little conversation starter. Um, and then I guess it just shows that I don't take myself too seriously. I don't take life too seriously. I like to have fun too. So I don't mind it, but I obviously like track and field athlete primarily. Yeah. When you show up to like a track event, do, do people recognize you being like, oh, it's the beer mile guy? Yeah. I feel like I'm a right, like they write me off sometimes, but like, I'm like, I'm actually like, I, I like to think I'm I'm serious, like elite athlete so yeah uh, yeah it, it I don't know I don't know how to feel but still 
it's been like years of it and I still don't know how to feel. Yeah. When was the last time you ran a beer mile? Um, do pretty much one a year. So the last one I did was in Berlin in 2019. They have like a world classic every year. So they try and do it in like new spots. Um, in 2020, it was supposed to be in Copenhagen, but then COVID happened. So yeah, yeah. but the last one was uh, 2019 that summer. That's I've never done a beer mile, so I can't imagine how that feels, but I can just imagine that it's extremely hard. So I know, I mean, obviously I know that regular track is really hard, but it is very impressive that you, what was your time? 433? Yeah, 433. And I honestly don't suggest doing a beer mile to most people. Like it is super uncomfortable. Even for me, it's not, it's not a fun thing to do. Do you train for that? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more or less like after the season, you're you're coming off pretty good fitness, um, and you like to have a little bit of fun. So as long as my fitness is there, my stomach doesn't really have an issue with alcohol. So I don't know if it's uh, years of running on like full stomachs after dinner, or I don't know if it's genetics. Like I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you just have a really strong stomach, I guess. <laughs> um okay so you also do you also dabble in the triathlon world as well um I, w- I would like to in the future but I I haven't I've only done like one kid to steal like way back in the day just to try um because I see you on the bike often I don't know I associate you with triathlon too maybe that's just because you're friends with a lot of like triathletes I don't know yeah like I, I'm even right now I'm actually in Lionel Sanders like condo I'm staying with him in Arizona so <laughs> okay uh, yeah, he, he's one of my best friends, and, like, I train alongside him quite a bit. I use, like, swimming as cross-training for running, uh, and then I do, like, some biking here and there. So it's definitely something that I'd like to do in the future. Uh, like, I grew up swimming in high school, so I definitely have that, like, that aspect of the sport covered as long as I get back into serious training, so. Yeah, why haven't you done a tri- – like, why haven't you just started training for triathlon? I mean, if you're surrounded by these people, I feel like they would just coerce you into oh, at least doing one one time. Yeah, they definitely like, I definitely get the triathlon bug every time I'm around a bunch of triathletes, but like you, you can't give up on your passion like super early, especially if you keep seeing potential and growth. So every year I've done track, I've seen like a progression of some sort. Um, and my ultimate goal is to make like the Olympic team for Canada. So I want to see it through till the end of this year, see what happens. And then, uh, like, I'm definitely open to triathlon after that. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, triathlon is triathlon training is a lot different than 1500 meter training. So mm. I feel like you can't really do both at the same time. I mean, you can do some good cross training, but in regards to like being a good triathlete, you have to put in so many more hours that yeah, definitely. it doesn't really make sense to have those speed workouts in there. But with that being said too, I think like, a lot of runners get in this mentality of like volume, volume, volume. And like, they just pound out the mileage all the time, like week after week, tons of doubles, like try and fit as many workouts as you can in the week. And sometimes that, like that kind of mentality can be like destructive. So I I like pairing, like if I'm going to, if I want to do double, sometimes it'll be like a morning swim and then an afternoon run or like a bike in the morning, a run in the afternoon. Like I, I like to pair it like that instead of just like, being on the cement all the time and like it, it can be hard on the body like one of the physiologists for team canada said once you get to that 12 hour mark of training for running then it starts to you start seeing possible injuries come about um it starts to get a little bit more risky yeah i was gonna ask how many hours a week are you training because like 
I mean, I talked to Morgan Pearson on this podcast who is doing like 35 hours a week of triathlon training. But like you yeah. said, once you hit that 12 hour mark for running, um, it kind of starts deteriorating. Your body kind of starts deteriorating. So how many hours a week are you training? 12? Um, I haven't cut. I-, I can tell you like the exact distances and stuff like that. Like for swimming last week, I did uh, just under 25,000 yards of swimming. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, and then biking, I did just under two hours, so nothing nothing crazy. And then running last week, I was like 47 kilometers. So I'm slowly upping the run mileage, um, and the swimming is definitely, like, helping supplement that. And then I'm just using bike in there. Bike here and there is, like, recovery. Yeah, to keep you sane in the mix of all the swimming, too. <laughs> yeah. So I like swimming, though. It's a good workout. It's, like, the best core workout you can do, and, like, I find your body – just from having like short pace times and swimming, your body learns how, learns how to recover really quick. Yeah. So like when I translate that to track workout, sometimes my body's ready to go in like 30 seconds just because sometimes for pool swims, it's like touch and go, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I grew up swimming as well, so I completely understand. I'm really glad that I grew up swimming because I feel like it's helped me, especially when I'm injured with running. Like mm-hmm. it just helps me come back a lot faster. But it's so hard to try to like teach someone how to swim when they're a runner because a lot of people like I don't even know how to teach someone how to swim <laughs> <laughs> I know I have so many teammates do, like they want to get in the pool or they want it like they see me swimming when I'm injured so they're like I want to learn how to do that too and yeah it's 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 very difficult to teach someone with no swim background whatsoever to like be good in the water I don't know it, yeah it, I mean it's definitely possible you see people doing it Colleen Quigley um, she was also on the podcast a couple months ago and she completely taught herself how to swim as an adult. So it's possible. I just don't think I can be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's so many aspects to the swim. Like even I feel like every time I jump in the water, I'm learning something new. So I can't imagine like having no background and trying to learn every aspect of, of the swim strokes. Yeah. I'm glad my parents threw me in the pool when I was like four. So <laughs> just learned how to fend for myself. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I kind of want to just get to know your background in the sport. So how did you start running? Did you swim first and then kind of brought you into the sport? Or how did you get your um, start? No, like I, I remember in grade one, I was way too young to do like the, it was called the Harrier team, cross country team. Uh, so I was way too young to do it. But I would always see the kids like running around the school after after school. And like, I was like, that looks like something I would, I would want to do in the future. So then I always had this idea in my head that like I was going to try out for the team when I was of age and I was always racing my dog in the backyard. I have a twin brother. I was always racing him in the backyard. So I just, I always wanted to go as fast as possible all the time. And like, oftentimes I was getting in trouble in the house. My, my parents were chasing me around, but I just loved running and being active. And then come grade two, um, there wasn't actually a team for that young of age, but they let me like train with the team. I remember I could barely make it like a kilometer. Like it was like the hardest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, slowly over time, I got better and better. And then over time, I kept doing uh, grade school track and field and cross country and enjoyed it. Started seeing a little more success towards the latter years of, of grade school. And then in grade six, I did a track and field camp for the first time through like a local university, uh, University of Windsor. Um, and like those uh, camp counselors made me fall in love with the sport. Like. I remember to always go to like practice and be like, <laughs> I was just this grade six kid that was always shit talking everyone, uh, thinking <laughs> I'm faster. So they humbled me pretty quick. And then 
uh, like took me under their wing and told me to like join join for the local or join up for the local track club. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I I've been doing the sport. Um, in high school, I had a really good coach who brought me back a step, and he's like, "Do you want to be good now, or do you want to be good later?" Um, so he like made me see like long term progression, long term success, um, and then like didn't pound miles into me in high school. It was more like do do swimming. Uh, focus on track when you're doing track, do cross country, and then enjoy the summer. So it wasn't like it wasn't a year round thing like a lot of kids do. So I didn't really, I didn't, never got burned out. I was always excited to to be doing the sport. And then university is when I like fully dialed in, and and that's all I focused on. So yeah, it's it's been a good journey so far. I'm still learning a lot in the sport, as crazy as it sounds, and uh, definitely enjoying it year after year more and more. That's awesome that your high school coach like took it. I mean, didn't take it easy on you, but he was just very knowledgeable because I feel like, especially nowadays, you see high schoolers running like insanely fast times and basically training like pro runners. So I do think it really is important for longevity to kind of have that tame approach. And I mean, I was someone that ran over the summers too. And I do think that the really hard years that I had over time of just like running year round since I was like, I don't know, 10 to 12 kind of made me burnt out after college. So I think that is really important to kind of focus on like dialing it in as you get older, maybe even like later years in high school, if you're looking to go to school, but I do really like that approach. And it's a very like nice coach of yours to not really yeah. care about those like short-term results. Cause I know a lot of high school coaches nowadays are like super, I don't know, hard on their athletes and they want them to do really well, like these national meets, but I think it is really important for longevity. So Mm-hmm. yeah I know I, I do see a lot of high school kids running like insanely insanely fast times nowadays and I'm like I, I I hope it's just like talent and they're doing like the bare minimum to get these times but yeah. I know like times it's not that it's like they're doing mileage that like yeah professional runners are doing and it's like there's only so much room for growth after that like and and if you don't see like that that progression over time like you're gonna start not really enjoying the sport so I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sort of glad. I'm really thankful that my coach took it that way. And like, he always said, like, you need hobbies other than running. So like, like, he's like, whether it's golf or basketball or like, I don't know, hanging out with friends or girls, whoever, whatever it is. He's like, you need to do other things, like keep your mind occupied and keep yourself having fun. Yeah, well, clearly it's paid off. So that is, that is, that is awesome. Um so what was your college experience like? Because I know a lot of people like want to come to NCAA to run. Like how was it running in Canada at university? Uh, it was awesome. Like I, I lived just outside of like where I went to university. So about like 20, 30 minutes away. And at the time when I was deciding universities, um, the head coach at the time, Dennis Farrell, who is my coach, he passed away last year, or just this past year. Um, uh, but yeah, he was my coach. And then Melissa Bishop, who was, was fourth at the Olympics in the 800, like really successful runner. Um, so I, I wanted to be an 800 runner at the time. And um, I saw the success Dennis had with her. And then he had just had an incredible resume over 25 years of coaching. So um, it was a pretty easy decision to stay at home and, and go with the Canadian system. And then even in Windsor, we're a border city of Detroit. So it we are oftentimes going to NCAA meets. So we sort of got the best of both worlds being in Canada, but also like being able to compete at a lot of States meets. And um, yeah, through that, just 
had a really good time. Like the coach was, he never did anything for his ego. It was always like, he wants to do what's best for you. Um, so you weren't just another number. He didn't want to get points out of you or, or times out of you. He wanted you to be happy and healthy first and foremost. Yeah, man, it sounds like you have a, had a lot of great coaches over the years. Mm-hmm. That is really lucky because you do see, especially at programs that are really big, um, you can just fall into that just a number type of situation. So it re- is really fortunate for people to find coaches that really care about longevity. And it seems like you've had good luck with that. Yeah, definitely been like extremely fortunate. Like even if it was like basketball coaches back in the day, it was always like, I felt like primary focus was always on like just having fun and like getting better through having fun with a good team and like good program to follow, but never putting too much emphasis on anything. So um, at the end of the day, if you wanted something, you had to work for it. Like my high school coach even said like a, a coach can't want it more than an athlete. The athlete has to want it more. So yeah, that's, that was instilled in me. Yeah. And keeping an athlete happy is really important too, because that makes them run well. So Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely need to have an emphasis on the happiness factor mm-hmm, definitely yeah like even if it's just if it's going out and like going for solo runs with some music or going out with like a big group of friends like there's ways to make the sport more fun so you just yeah. gotta tap what are your hobbies outside of running do you have many <laughs> uh i love like music so I, I love listening to music whether it's like i like progressive like house type music um like chill house or um I do like hip hop quite a bit. So whether it's discovering new music and exploring that world, I love sports in general, just like I'm a big sports fan. So um, basketball, football, big UFC fan. Um, And then I do, I do like reading from time to time. So um, brought a few books here. Um, And then, yeah, other than that, just, I like staying in touch with my friends and stuff like that. I'm a pretty social guy. So those are my, my, my main hobbies, I would say. Yeah. I do like eating nowadays a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great hobby. I do um, like eating as well. So <laughs> I approve. Are you at training camp right now? Um, so back in Canada, like we went on lockdown and um... then I feared to run again. So everything was shut down. It was like super snowy, cold. And I decided to come to like Arizona. Lionel and Aaron here have been like very hospitable. So I have a pool here to use and um, slowly progressing back on, on running. Well, that's exciting. Everyone is in Arizona right now. I think literally everyone I know, everyone that's like a professional runner or triathlete. I mean, I don't know that many pro triathletes, but the ones I do know they're in Arizona. So I guess it is the place to be during, <laughs> during the winter. Yeah. Everyone's in like Flagstaff, Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale. It's all, everyone's dispersed throughout the state of teams. Yeah. How long are you there for? Um, plan like, the thing is, back in Canada, there's, I don't know how many meets there are going to be, so um, I'll probably be here till like, April or so. What does your year look like right now? The year? Right now, it's more or less just, like, staying healthy, uh, keep some, some consistent training up, and then hopefully I'm ready to race in early April. And then it looks like our, our Olympic trials have, like, it's, it's sort of weird this year. I think it's going to be invite-based, and there's not going to be – like not every event that usually would be at the national championships is going to be present. So I don't know what that looks like, but I guess invitations are going to go like mid-May. Interesting. Yeah. How does the Olympic selection process look like in Canada? I literally have no idea. So basically if you are 
like first at the Olympic trials and you have standard or a high world ranking, then you're automatically going to go. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't know if they're going to change that or stick with that. It's, it's hard to say, but so far that's what it looks like. And then if you're top three with the standard or high world ranking, you'll be considered. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. You, you said that you've been struggling with injury. What are you, what have you been injured with? Yeah. So, uh, most recently it was my like proximal medial tibia. So like upper knee sort or I don't yeah. know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like the very top of your tibia, like sort of left of your kneecap, um, just under where it bends basically. I need to look at my old legs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a weird spot. Honestly, it's it's a pretty rare spot for running, um, and it just took a long time for it to heal. I think because the area, and then um, just took a while for my body to catch up and and heal it. Yeah, what do you think caused it? Um, I think what contributed to it, like highly, was definitely like nutrition. Um, so I was training quite a bit, and then with the amount of volume I was doing and running and then how little I was eating I think it just had a negative impact on my body and hormones and ability to recover and keep that bone health strong yeah so I did I did want to dive into um this sort of topic because you did come out was it in October November um sometime around there yeah sometime around there was it running magazine Canada yeah yeah yeah, you came out with a story um, about your struggle with an eating disorder, and I found it to be really powerful because I feel like it's something that's definitely not talked about in um, professional distance running or distance running in general. The only people I've ever seen talk about it um, is like Drew Hunter, who also struggled with Reds at a certain point, and you. So I kind of want to dive into that topic. Um, like, what was the catalyst for you to come out publicly and talk about that? Um, I, I, I was, I kept reading about red ass and I kept talking about it with like physiologist, dietitian, coach, um, family. And then finally, like I came to a point where it was just like, it seemed like such a, an issue that only females talked about, but I knew it existed like definitely in males, but no one ever talked about it. And it was like, I a hundred percent like contribute a lot of like my injuries and the last struggle this, this last year, um, to, to that so I just wanted to like be vocal about it and just say hey it exists like I dealt with this um and then hopefully hopefully it prompts other people to talk about it uh, especially males I just I want it to be more of a conversation than something they have to shy away from yeah how common do you think it is um in like the male side of distance running because I mean I only I I just have no perspective on that the well the amount of messages I got after that article came out was like insane like to the the track and field community in in canada and like a few professional runners like reached out so it, it even them saying like they, they've seen it exist or they dealt with something similar i think whether it's like to a a really high degree of them dealing with it or just like a low aspect of it i think it exists in the culture of the sport yeah how do you think how do you think you change that like, how do you think you, we change that culture? Because obviously people talking about it more has definitely helped mm-hmm. at least spread awareness. But what do you think helps to like change that aspect of it? I, I think 
I think the sport is so like when you're watching on TV, even I watched uh, the New Balance Grand Prix meet this past weekend. And like, I heard a couple of times, like he's the much bigger stature in this event. Like, I think those comments often, like they're always commenting on how the athlete looks and how big or small they are. So I think, I think those comments, depending on the athlete can, can truly affect them. Um, so I think, we got to stop putting such emphasis on the body type and how they look. It's just got to be about like, <laughs> I don't know. Ability. Yeah. The ability. And just like, if they're having fun, they're having, I don't know. I, I just hate, I hate when it's constantly a topic of like, if he's big, if he's big, he's slow. Or if he, if he's looks fit, then he's obviously light and healthy when that's yeah. not the case. Like I was, I was definitely the lightest I'd ever been. And I was not the most healthy. My body was not the most healthy it ever been. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 5'11 runner as well. So obviously, I mean, I found myself struggling with a lot of body dysmorphia in college. Is that something you struggled with as well? Uh, A little bit from time to time. Um, But I, I could, I could get myself out of it. I always found. And then finally it was, it was after university, about two years after that's when I finally started like being like, I was getting to that next step where I was like, if I want to be world-class, I feel like I got to look, look like them. I got to be more like them. I think that's the key. So I just dove into that. I bought into that and I didn't listen to it like a registered dietitian or anything. I just did everything I thought that would be the best way to be as light as I could be. And then what were like signs that maybe this wasn't the right path to go down um, and that maybe you were struggling with something? Yeah, months of doing it, it was like constant fatigue, uh, hungriness a lot, uh, sleep suffered quite a bit. Uh, and then like I was trying to put sleep in position so I would eat, so like take long naps instead of in between like lunch and dinner just so I wasn't eating or like go to bed early just so I wasn't eating. So um, it was just, it was, those were the behaviors. And then um, once I started getting injured, like the stress fractures, that's when I like, I had to look like what, what changed? What did I change the most? Did you know it at the time? Like when you were doing these things, did you know that it was like wrong or did you just have any idea? Because I know, like, I don't know, you can kind of get into this mindset where you just like, don't really think anything is wrong. No, because I, my, my workouts were still going really well. So that was like, that, that was the thing that was like indicative of, of everything. And yeah. I was, even though my sleep season was off to a slow start by the end of it i pb'd so it was like everything sort of got justified and i thought like only doing for like a couple months would just i could snap out of it easy it wasn't it wasn't like a permanent thing to me yeah it was just, it was just during the time i want to run fast did other people like notice a change in behavior at all um my uh yeah my family did and then even my coach like commented just man you, you look super lean you look super fit and that that was just like all right I'm doing the right things yeah yeah comments like that they definitely don't help the situation so mm-hmm. so was the stress factor the just kind of deciding factor like maybe I'm just to kind of look back on the whole situation be like maybe this isn't the right path to go down uh yeah so I, I got one after only like a month and a bit of training uh, after that summer of PBing, and then um, 
I started training again like two or so months later and then got another stress fracture and that one just lingered till basically the end of like 2020. Um, but it was definitely like a combination of that. And then I think I did jump back into things a little too quick too. It was just, I was doing a lot of high volume. So I wasn't, I wasn't being uh, cautious at all. Did you end up like talking to anyone about it or like, well, how did you just decide to start fixing the situation? Uh, yeah. Like I talked to my coach, I talked to like physio. I talked to my doctor, like a lot of people that were close to me that would know um, a lot about me and like the situation in general. And then that's when, that's when I, like, I just needed to change. Like I needed to be vocal. I needed to talk about it. I need to get it off my chest. And like, yeah, that was the next step. Did you find it hard to open up to people about it? hundred percent. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. like, it almost felt embarrassing, like weird to talk about, like not something you necessarily want to be vocal about, but you, I mean, I feel like the first step in kind of fixing something like that is being open about it and getting it off your chest. Like you said, I feel like it's just so important to just express to people that you're struggling with something and maybe you can't do it alone or you just like want to know, want other people to know what's going on. Yeah. And and so many times people just think like they, they see social media and everything's just good, good, good. You know, they don't, they don't really see the bad or think about the bad. So, um, Sometimes you just got to show people that the bad exists and like there needs to be a conversation about it. And then hopefully it like it just creates something that brings more awareness and helps a lot more people. Why don't you think more men talk about it? Because now, I mean, definitely females are coming out and um, discussing the topic a lot more. But what what do you think causes men to like hold back, I guess? Um, I, I think they're like. It, it's a bit of like scared to be judged, scared to be vulnerable, um, scared to be as stupid as it sounds. I think they're scared for it to like, it, it's been seen as such a like issue with females that they're scared to put themselves in the same category. It's it's so stupid, but I think that's what it is. And, but I feel like when people, more people come out and talk about the topic, it's going to make it less and less taboo. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the discussion just needs to be there. So I think it's really great that you came out and really publicly talked about it with, I don't know, in a lot of different publications, podcasts. I think it's just really important for the running world to kind of bring light to the topic, even though it's already been talked about in female distance running, like it's obviously prevalent in male distance running as well. Yeah. I think everyone on like every team has seen it in some, some sense or another. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's important, even especially like, coaches like there's a lot of things coaches will say to certain athletes and like it can be it can lead to really destructive like habits for them so I just it needs to be education all around Mm -hmm. how has the recovery process been for you um it's been really good yeah um I have a lot of good people like in my corner um friends family like physiologists um doctors yeah, just a lot of good people that are in my corner. So it's been good. I, I've been enjoying the comeback and been a lot more conscious of everything I'm doing. And yeah. Try, trying to be the best athlete, but like also just healthy person I can be. 
Mm-hmm. Have you seen a change in like, I mean, you said that you're on the comeback from an injury, but you have, have you seen a change in like workouts or energy levels at all? Um, yeah, like for sure. I've, uh, cause I, I remember a couple of times going to the track in 2019 and my brother and I would finish warm up and I'd be like pretty lightheaded, like a little out of it. And like, you should never feel like that before a workout. I'd, I'd still go on to like have some okay workouts and pretty good workouts, but like, I would just feel a little more low energy, you know? So I think you should go into workouts, excited, high energy, like ready to blast, you know? Um, so now, now that's, that's what I'm feeling. I, I know it's early on, but like, that's, that's the kind of behavior I want to keep seeing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the going into workouts like that is really what sets you up for a good workout. I mean, if you're going into it with low energy, then even though you may get through the workout, like how much excitement is that going to give to you? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should never feel wiped. Like you should feel like you could do another, another, yeah. I hear a lot of like athletes always talking about that, but it's true. You don't want to be like overtraining or beat down every time you do a workout. Yeah, exactly. That's not what it's about. It's about being smart and recovery is very important as well. So, Mm -hmm. so, okay. Changing subjects now. I just kind of want to ask you a couple questions um, just about your life in general and training. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what motivates you? (laughs) Uh, Wow. (laughs) um what motivates me yeah you what you get up every day and what what do you think about what gets you out of bed in the morning I like move my body to be honest so I just Mm -hmm. like like getting up getting the day started and like feeling good so like exercise makes me feel really good like seeing the sunshine makes me feel good listening to music makes me feel good so just doing certain hobbies behaviors that make me feel good that's what I look forward to doing What's like, what's your favorite workout? Um, I came from like, I, I, I used to do 800s primarily. So I, I really like speed endurance. It's, it definitely makes you want to lay on the track after the workout for about 20 minutes and just not do anything. But I like that kind of pain, you know, you know, it's going to pay off. So I, I do, I do appreciate those kind of workouts. Like what, what distance would you say? Um, give us a sample workout for all the people listening that want to feel that pain what would you give them <laughs> speed endurance like uh, six like an 800 breakdown of like six two five three so the six would be short rest in between full, full set rest and then five three would be close rest in between um but you would tackle that workout at at race pace my gosh <laughs> that brings me back to college the hardest workout i ever did was sets of four three two i think i did like three or four sets of four three two at like i mean i was a 1500 runner so it was faster than mile pace like oh that's that's not yeah but and i was i was coming back from an injury um do like doing that workout i remember sophomore year of college i was coming back from an achilles injury and my coach it was like literally two after two weeks after i came i was like coming back she's like oh just do this workout and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. So if you want to get fit, just do some four three twos, some sets of that at mile pace, and you'll feel the wrath. I know. I think you can only handle those workouts so much, but they're definitely good ones to to throw in every so often. Yeah, mentally and physically, that'll test you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll test your my mental capacity. Doing I that remember workout. one. 
one guy on my university team would always have like sugar tablets. So like I'd be lying on like the infield and he would come by and be like, man, you need some quick sugar. So like he'd give me a sugar tablet and I would be like. Sugar tablet. <laughs> yeah. I think they're for like, I think they're called like Dex 4s or Dex 3s or something. I think it's for people like with diabetes that need like, that are have low sugar and need something quick. Okay. So just essentially this little thing that's like equipment's like a pack of Skittles or something like that. Good to know. For the next time I do a travel out and I'm like going lactic, I'm just gonna have a sugar tablet and it'll revive <laughs> me back to life. It does, honestly. Yeah. Okay, but you know what's interesting? Like, since I started doing longer like bike sessions, um, it's crazy how you can be like bonking and then come back and be revived just by eating like a pack of goo or something. Mm-hmm. It's something that I never really, <laughs> never really realized until doing the long efforts. Or like Coca-Cola. I know that's big in the triathlon world. I, have, I haven't had soda while doing anything. That kind of scares me, to be honest. <laughs> I do have a strong stomach, though, so I feel like I could do okay with that. Ew, but like imagine drinking soda during a track workout or something. <laughs> I've drank Actually, worse. you'd be fine. Why am I even? <laughs> you, you'd be good. You'd do better, honestly, probably. So. Okay, next question. Um. What is your best and worst race you've ever had? You can start with the worst so you can end on the best. Um, wow. I'm I feel really like I've on had, the spot. I feel like I've had some decently bad races. So. I mean, everyone uh, has. Maybe. I'm trying to think. Do you have any like, for, traumatizing races that you can remember? Oh, man. This is tough. <laughs> this is tough I should have gave you the questions beforehand. I think I think there was one in... in first year or second year and I was like it was the end of my season it was gonna be my last race and like I thought I was in good fitness but I went into this race and like went out hot and absolutely died the last like lap and my teammate and I we both went into it with, with the same mentality and we both happened to feel the exact same and we both came like second second and and dead last oh you hate to see it that is the worst feeling is going out hard and dying there's no worse feeling than that i'll tell you what it it humbles you and like that race going into the next season definitely motivated me so i'm happy happy i had that race that's good you're looking at the (laughs) positives (laughs) i am now (laughs) yeah yeah, now looking back (laughs) okay best race I, i i never really like I've always felt like I'm chasing my best races. So like, yeah, I've never, I've never put like my best race into one category. Cause I've always yeah. felt like my best race is going to come. It's going to come. That's what keeps me motivated. Um, but I think in, in university, I, like we had our indoor national championships in Windsor at home and we were going for the t- men's team championship in terms of points. And it came down to the four by four for men. And, um, we ended up winning at home. We weren't expected to win at all, but it was just crazy having friends, family, and everyone there. And it came down to the four by four, and we just happened to happen to pull it off. So that was that stands out to me for sure. It's unexpected wins that are always the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, if you could like race anyone in the world, who would you want to tow the line? Like just a duel between you two. Hmm. Um. One of my good friends who is from Netherlands, who I stayed with in 2019, his name's Mike Fopen, and he's been he's been on a tear like for like Dutch records lately. Um, so he ran like 13, 18, I believe, last year, in 
Monaco, and yeah, he's been he's just been tearing it up. So I want to race him head to head. Like yeah, one you day. think you could beat him? Thirteen eighteen is no joke. Yeah, it's no joke. Um, the fifteen hundred though, we both PB'd last year in that meet. That or sorry, in twenty nineteen, the meet I PB'd in Sweden. He was also there, and we, like he PB'd. So uh, we share that Ooh. together. Maybe uh, he took me in that race, so maybe next time I could take him. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. Thoughts on the 350 mile run by um, the college boys this weekend? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's crazy. Like, good for them. Those Oregon guys are like tearing it up. Um, so, that, yeah, that's, that's insane. And also, uh, Charlie Hunter, who's 353 in that race. Yeah, that's pretty. I know. I like haven't even talked about him, but he also ran 353 yeah. is insane as well. It's actually crazy. Um, so, in 2009, I went to this thing in Greece, Athens, Greece. It was called the International Children's Games. So it's just like a fun competition. They have like basketball, soccer. They have a bunch of sports. Uh, but it's more or less just like to meet people from different countries. It's to celebrate sport. And he was actually at the those games for Australia. He was a young guy then. That's and so funny. Like, That's so long ago. Yeah, we hung out like the whole weekend. I think I was there like a week. We hung out the whole week, became really good friends. And then in 2019, I got to race Charlie again. And he's like this big grown man. It was just cool to reconnect and now see him like absolutely tearing it up. Yeah, that is wild. So, well, small world. Seems like you're going to run a 353 then too. Here's I mean, that's what it's looking like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what's next on the schedule. Um, okay, favorite place you've traveled to for running? Um, Athens, Greece was pretty amazing. Like that was my first plane ride ever. And um man, that's a big time, big trip. Yeah, first time away from my parents. So it was just it was a fun trip as a young guy and uh, beautiful country for sure. Um what is like your best tip to run a good beer mile? Getting the best run shape you can. Learn <laughs> how to learn how to chug. So um there's different ways everyone can chug. Like for me, I just like have to, I don't know, I can open my throat and just let it flow down. Mm-hmm. Some people take quick, short gulps, and some people lo- take like long, hard gulps. It sounds really weird, but you just got to find what works for best for you. Yeah. Uh, and then other than that, just learning how to run with like stuff in your stomach. So if, whether it's a full meal or like actual water, alcohol content, whatever. Um, <laughs> alcohol content. You got to deal that with that. so stuff. bad. The carbonation too. Yeah, the carbonation I feel like plays a big factor in that. Yeah, like, ow, that would hurt so bad. It sounds weird, but like you got you got to learn how to burp too. You can't burp too deep. You got to like control your because <laughs> you don't want to puke. So um, you do got to get rid of that carbonation somehow. Yeah, um, I was reading. I think it was a flow track article. I was reading about your beer mile, the world record one, and mm-hmm. you were the running time was four oh three for the mile. So mm-hmm. you were running for like you basically ran a four minute mile. And then mm-hmm. only 30 seconds is the drinking part. That is so crazy. That is so wild. Do you think anyone's <laughs> going to beat it anytime soon? Or is it just going to be you? I would love for someone to. I would, like, I would love. I, I know, like, people would put up a big prize purse if someone wants to try and break it and go head to head. Like, I know for a fact there's people that would put up a big prize purse. So. You know, uh, for a fact, people have, people have literally probably told you. Yeah, so, I mean, if someone would want to challenge me I would, I would absolutely like 
love that. Uh, All right, attention, anyone listening to this podcast, if you want to challenge Corey, I don't know who would take up that challenge. I don't know who can run a four minute mile and do that. Yeah, I heard I heard Jenkins and uh and Craig Angles. I heard their podcast and they kept talking about the beer mile and how they're going to do one after. Okay. The road, the road mile in New York. So um, if if they're down to go head to head, like let's make it happen. All right. I'm gonna. I'll I'll um question them. I live with um Craig's girlfriend, so okay. I will. There you go. I'll make it There's happen. The- I have that inside connection. I'll make it happen. <laughs> I'll ask them about it and see how serious they are about it. <laughs> that would be so fun to watch. Do you know how many people would watch that? That's crazy. Oh, I know. It, it'd be it'd be unreal. I feel like you get get a lot of like pro runners just to have a a fun off season weekend. Just not take themselves too seriously. Yeah. Just get out of the comfort zone and just like go for it. Just see what you can do. Yeah, everyone should do it. Honestly, that would be a good time. Mm-hmm. We should make it happen. Started here on the Commas Over Colbert podcast. I'm going to hit up Craig. Yeah, down. <laughs> okay, last question. Um, what do you want to be remembered as in the running world? Or what, what sort of impact do you want to like leave? Yeah, just uh, like someone that progressed throughout their, their career, didn't give up, and then uh, learned from a lot of mistakes and found what worked so like for me i'm doing things like a little untraditional in terms of like what most runners do like i'm swimming a lot like i'm, I'm building back fitness that way um so i like the emphasis i'm putting on cross training i hope it pays off i think it will pay off so um just doing something that's a little untraditional but still seeing a lot of success in that I, i'd love for that to to be what i, I was i was remembered for and known for Awesome. Well, I'm sure everyone's excited to see your comeback year this year. Hopefully everything goes as planned for um, the coronavirus situation, but where can people follow you at to be up to date on the latest info about you? (laughs) Um, I I tweet sometimes once in a while, like on on Twitter. So it's just my name at Corey Balmore. And then on Instagram, same thing at Corey Balmore. So yeah, I'm I'm fairly active, not as active as I used to be, but um, you can still learn stuff about me there. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think this was really insightful. I enjoyed getting to know you more and I hope other people did too. So, thank you. Um, I appreciate you. yeah. So to close out the podcast, can we get a good old peace out fellas? Peace out fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Commas Over Cold Brew. I hope you loved getting to know Corey a little bit better and also hearing about his experience with the eating disorder and how he is recovering and his goals for the rest of the year. If you guys like the podcast and you listen to it every week, it helps me out so much if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It takes like 15 seconds and it's free. And I just really love reading your guys' reviews. It seriously makes my day. Also, if you want to be up to date on the latest episodes or even submit listener questions, follow at Convos Over Cold Brew Pod on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.